Twilight Slumber Party is a Cage Club Network production. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Why, you have so much music. What are you listening to? All on the floor just like an ocean Building up your fortress like a mountain Need to see what causing a commotion Like a slumber party Rolling on my own like I We ain't gonna sleep tonight Oh baby, rolling on my own like I We ain't gonna sleep tonight We got them candles burning Slumbers, Brian here, host of High School Slumber Party. Just want to give a little disclaimer on this episode. This is actually an episode for an upcoming show, an upcoming project that Kate Hudson and I, not that Kate Hudson, but Kate Hudson and I have in the pipeline called Twilight Slumber Party. It's a spinoff of High School Slumber Party, in a sense, you know by now that Kate hosts the Twilight episodes with me, and we just want to do our own little Twilight thing. Spencer came out, we both saw it, we both wanted to talk about it. Originally, this was going to come out around Oscar time, but I was so personally hurt that Kristen Stewart did not win the Oscar for Spencer, though I'm a huge Jessica Chastain fan. Also, pissed off that Kiki didn't win. Come on, Kirsten Dunst. Both those women deserve Oscars in the future. Academy, listen to me. Regardless, just wanted to say that this episode was recorded before that, so we had not known the results of the Oscars, just to put it in perspective. Also, if you're curious about what Twilight Slumber Party is going to be about, we're going to talk Twilight films, we're going to talk films that star Twilight actors, we're going to talk all sorts of vampire stuff. It's going to be really, really fun can't wait for that to debut this is like the soft launch well the soft launch was actually when we talked the batman the r pats version so listen to that wherever you get your podcast for now on the high school slumber party feed so bear with me if you're just a fan of teen movies just listen though this is a super super fun episode so without any further delays ladies and gentlemen spencer i'd like to propose a toast to my new sister Bella, I hope you've gotten enough sleep these last 18 years, because you won't be getting any more for a while. <laughs> Kate, I really just don't know how to begin this one, because... You begin it with Elton John's um, Candle in the Wind, obviously. Yeah, but that feels too realistic. This is a fable. Did you not see the uh, Did you not see the title card or whatever, the thing after the title card? I did. I didn't like it. <laughs> Today, we're talking Spencer, and if you're wondering what the hell... Are you guys talking Spencer for? couple reasons. One, this is just a, if you're listening on the High School Slumber Party feed, this is a bonus episode because as announced on our The Batman episode, uh, we will be spinning off the Twilight stuff into Twilight Slumber Party coming to a, a feed near you. There was just two movies that came out of the theater that we felt like we had to talk about because of their Twilight relations. Of course, the Batman being one and Spencer being the other one as 
our girl, Kay Stu, Kristen Stewart, is is Diana, an iconic character, gets an Oscar nom. It's really crazy stuff. I really can't wait to talk about this wacky and wild film. It's, it's, yeah. (laughs) Listen, I'm a Diana super fan. So the reason why I'm also like, we need to do this is I fucking love Princess Diana. Yeah, I mean, much like Fear Street. Yup. <laughs> you might not get what you want here, which I kind of knew. Um, but before before we get into that, just a reminder, guys, uh, hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, on whether it's High Islamic Party or the new feed. And keep following our social medias, which I haven't named yet, but I will soon. Uh, by the time this episode's out, maybe I'll like have an insert here of what those things are. But uh, we're going to insert here that's <laughs> we're getting this thing rocking and rolling though we had to our hand was forced with these two films just like her hand was forced when she wanted to go masturbate uh, oh, and movie. <laughs> we'll talk about that for sure <laughs> two things i want to get off uh well, two things i want to get out of the way i like how you almost said get off and i was gonna just go in there again. And, and that's why i stopped mid-sentence so now <laughs> well now i don't have to edit that so <laughs> um Uh, Two things I want to get out of the way. First, we will be talking more Twilight soon. Don't worry. But as part of this uh, Twilight slumber party, you know, vampires don't sleep and we're not going to sleep. We're going to continue to make episodes. And we're going to be covering not just Twilight films, not Mm -hmm. just vampire films, but Mm -hmm. films that star Twilight actors. Here we are, Spencer. The second thing I wanted to mention was that if you're looking for a oscar worthy deep dive that's gonna like talk about brian if you're looking for that they already have their own podcast that's doing it (laughs) good point person who's looking for that on spencer good point i think we'll talk a little bit more about the film than we did on the batman the batman was more like hey if you like twilight or you like the batman but you haven't seen these worlds collide we're gonna collide them for you I got questions. I got things I want to talk to you about, Kate. So I think it'll be more of a deep dive than the Batman, but still not your like Oscar worthy. Like, oh, the lighting in scene five was, you know. (laughs) Sorry for alienating people. That's not how. That's not how I consume media. Is that how you consume media? Uh, You've been podcasting with me, so yeah, uh, you can (laughs) tell. (laughs) I do not consume media like that. I mean, I'm not like it's not like whatever to me, but I. I can't tell you aspect ratios and lenses. And obviously I've seen a lot of movies, but it's about the entertainment factor. For hey, me. I was just about to say, it's like Gladiator. Like when he screams, are you not entertained? I'm like, yeah, that is exactly what I want <laughs> movies to do. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, you kind of teased us a little bit, Kate. I know your history with this film is you just saw it literally. Like, but what? Yeah. <laughs> what's your history with Princess Diana? I fucking love Princess Di. Oh my God. Okay. Without giving away too many bank password details about my life, I will tell you that my mother's name is Diana. And one of my brothers was born on July 29th, 1981, which anybody who knows about Diana knows that's the day she got married to Prince Charles. Wow. So we grew up a lot with Diana Lore in the house. I think my mom, as an unhappily married boomer woman who's only a couple of years younger than her, felt a real affinity to her. So I, I love her. I even have like commemorative um, cups and plates from her life when I was oh, like, nice. when, yeah, went to charity shops. I just, I cried when she died. I stayed up to watch her funeral. I, 
I love me some Princess Di. I love her. I don't give a shit about any of the royals other than Harry and Meghan Markle now, but I love her. Yeah, I mean, Diana, such an iconic person and... You know. you know, she was the most photographed woman in the world. Like, it's hard for people, especially the Gen Zers among us, who weren't alive when she was alive in the 90s. But she was bigger than Beyonce. Like, there's nobody. Oh, not else. even close. Not even close. Like, it's, it's hard to explain that to people. They don't understand just how he just dominated every single aspect of culture it's it's insane like when she died and i only remember them doing this for a few people in the 90s but when she died it was every news organization stopped all programming stopped for like 24 hours and they just covered her the only other person i remember that for was jfk jr yeah yeah and uh you and i you know around the same age you're a little older than me so i was a little younger when she died but that it was the first death that i remember feeling sad about yeah you know it, it was a big deal and pe- older people talk about like that happening with jfk the older yeah, um yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> but i think you're right if you're an alien or a gen z or you they might be like, you're comp- comparing the death of a president to some random princess. Like, she was not a random princess. No. This is the era before the internet, before Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. She was everywhere. The oh, most famous person and, in the world. And she almost got away. She almost got away. So, like, Dodi was not the love of her life, whatever Dodi's dad, Muhammad Al-Fayed, says. She, she was just fucking around with him to get to the man she truly loved, which was that doctor in Pakistan whose family wouldn't let him marry her. And he was fucking around with Diana because he was trying to get back at his ex. Like, that was a relationship of convenience that just ended because they both died suddenly. And it's horrible because the paparazzi killed her. They hounded her. And her stupid fucking driver was drunk, which is the only reason he lived, I think. I don't know if he died. I think he lived. Yeah, yeah. I remember that she was just dead on arrival. The doctors in Paris were talking about how they were, like, compressing her chest and she was just gone automatically because I don't think she was wearing seatbelts. They were all a little drunk and she got chased through that tunnel by the paparazzi because they hounded her to death, which is Uh. why... It's it's just so fascinating to watch what Prince Harry is doing for his wife now. Like, he got her out. He got her, like, I like Harry. Because he saw exactly what happened to his mama, and he said no. And then Prince William has turned into his father. What a piece of shit. <laughs> we know where your loyalties lie here. And I'm glad you brought them up, because uh, you bring up, again, the Gen Zers, and we don't want to talk down to you. I doubt you're listening to my show anyway. But <laughs> uh, did that uh, Corey Haim series appeal to you, Gen Zers? Anyway, (laughs) Uh, but the reason that people are still so passionate about the British royal family, especially those two kids, are because of Diana. I really, truly believe that we would have lost a bit of interest if it wasn't for those being Diana's kids. Oh, for sure. Because everybody, everybody knows William has become as exactly what she fought against. And had she lived... He would not be like this. She wanted those kids out, man. Out. Like, have you ever seen the video? I fucking love Diana. Have you ever seen the video of her going on the boat? Like, she's ending the royal engagement. Like, just waving goodbye to the press. Oh, yes, yes. And she becomes a mom. And it's just like, oh, that woman loved those boys. Oh, yeah. yeah. There is no doubt in the world about that. Say what you want about Diana. I think we're we're a pro-Diana podcast here. Yes. There are anti-Diana people out there. Oh, Camilla, I suck my dick, Camilla. 
<laughs> I really don't like Camilla. She knew, man. Like, okay, I'm not one of those people that blames the woman because Charles is like just a piece of shit. But Camilla knew. And honestly, fuck Liz too. Liz just Liz never should have dragged Diana into this bullshit. They just should have met let Charles marry who he wanted. Just do it. Are you referring to the queen as Liz? Yes, fuck okay. you, Liz. <laughs> she knew, man. She knew. And she ex- like she expected Diana to suck it up just like she had to expect it. You know, Philip didn't live in the castle. Like, why do you think there's such an age difference uh, between the first two and the last two kids? Or it's like the first three and the last one. It's because he had a bachelor pad in London and was fucking showgirls for a year, like 10 years. <laughs> Truly. This has become like a British royal gossip uh, <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah. No, look, everything you're saying, though, and I know, you know, you already tipped your hand. You weren't a big fan of this movie, but everything you're saying, though, inspires a movie like this because we just want more and we just want answers. And this film is just like one person's fantasy of what she might be going through and what might have been happening. And I have a problem with that. And I'll tell you why it was directed by a man. It was written by a man. I'm so fucking sick of men taking these tragic women, Marilyn Monroe, princess die, and then inserting themselves and it, it was just insane. It was just, I fucking hated it for that reason. I thought Case Do was fantastic. But this was not a man's story to tell. Men ruined Diana's life. Let a woman tell the story. It would have been much more interesting. And I guarantee you, the chef wouldn't have been centered as one of the few people who understood who Diana was. Just wouldn't have happened. I can't disagree with you. Like, there's nothing I could say that'll make, make me like, well, no, you're wrong, Kate. No, I mean... You're right about that. In terms of my own journey with this film and Diana, I'm not really into the royals. Ugh. I don't really care. They're not my royals. I don't have any British heritage. You know what I mean? No. It is interesting tangentially. Uh, Diana, of course, very impactful I- I- in our youth. My wife really likes Diana. All millennial women love Diana. <laughs> there you go. You know, when we were in London a couple years ago, there was this uh, exhibit at one of the palaces. I can't remember which one. That had like all Diana's dresses and it was amazing art wise and fashion wise an amazing exhibit. I don't like hardcore watch the crown, but I like the the queen, uh, the Helen Mirren film. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen any of those to be honest. It's like the crown is on my to-do list, but I'm just like, I know about those fucks already. Yeah. Well, that the thing, like you feel like, you know, so much inside baseball that, uh, but they do depict a lot of that in there or they at least allude to it regardless. And my wife will really want to watch this movie. We were going to go to the theater, but it was a very COVID time. And it was yeah. like, you know, we didn't know if it was worth it or not yet. You don't need to see this one in the theater. I don't think as soon as though, like it came either on demand or something, you know, where, where it wasn't like $15. To that, rent. Is, that is insane. By the way, I think, Fuck you, COVID. Like it's-, <laughs> it's free on, or not free on Hulu. You have to have Hulu. So out there, if you want to see it, watch it on Hulu or take someone's Hulu password. I'm not anti-stealing uh, streaming service passwords on this podcast. <laughs> so we watched it and I was really tired that day. And I, to be honest with you, first time I saw it, I fell asleep a couple of the times. I was like, this is yeah. interesting. I wasn't that into it. But. But wait, wait, wait. How much did you know about Die before this? I think more than the average person, uh, let me correct myself, more than the average man probably, probably. but <laughs> but not like super fan level, right? Uh, my brother had seen the movie, loved it, 
he's like, it's not what people are going to expect. He's like, people are going to be disappointed. But if you want just fucking drama, (laughs) you know what I mean? He's like, you're probably going to like this movie. So I knew a little bit like that going in. I wasn't like completely blindsided. I didn't think it was like a documentary style thing. Mm -hmm. But then I kept thinking about it over the week and I knew we were going to talk about it. And things kept coming back to me. And originally I would be like, I never want to watch this movie again. But watching it today for the podcast, I believe it or not, I actually really enjoyed it. I was like, is it perverse? Yes. Should it have been made? Absolutely not. (laughs) I love it for that reason. It's just like, what the fuck is this? And then Christmas Stewart is so good. She's so good. And again, just a fucking Diana fantasy like (laughs) that has happened. I say fantasy not in the good parts of fantasy, but just like something that's made up based on some facts, but mostly just like, oh, I wonder what Diana would do here. Like, I wonder what Diana would do there. Fanfic. Uh, elevated fanfic, if you will. Yeah. Well, it's just, it just, so here's what I didn't like about it. It just made her this like crazy victim more than anything else. Right. And like, fair. Like at this point, she already fucked around herself. Like there's rumors. I don't believe them because Harry looks very Windsor to me now, but she was fucking uh, that horse trainer with the ginger hair right about the time Harry was born. Like <laughs> fell apart truly on their honeymoon. She was in love with him and a goddamn virgin. And he basically, he, Charles gave her that eating disorder. He pinched her middle and said, a bit chubby, are we? Like, fuck Charles forever. Charles can go to hell. His only redeeming quality is he's good about the environment. <laughs> really? Like, it's truly. So, yeah. Like, at this point, she was feeding secrets to Andrew Morton about, like, that huge tell-all book that was going to come out in 92. So, like, in, a, you know, a few months, the marriage was all but over. Where was her anger? She was a very savvy woman. And it's, you have to understand, and they didn't really get into this context with the Spencers, but when she married into the Windsors, the Spencers were the better family. Like the royal family had fallen into disregard. Like she elevated them. She was always the favorite royal along with the queen mom. Nobody gave a shit about Queen Elizabeth or the kids. Like what, she, what about Fergie? Fergie wasn't there yet. Fergie was like, right? Wait, I guess Fergie was there because this was 92. And I think Fergie came in in like 86. But I think she was already done and like maybe even had the yeah, toast. Fergie had a quick run, a quick and I furious like, run. Well, I think the toast sucking video came out right about then too. <laughs> like if you, there's, there's articles about this. Princess Diana and the Queen Mum were the only royals who were consistently well regarded by the public. And the, again, the Spencers have a better pedigree than the Windsor Mountbatten's because they were never actually supposed to be the royals. I mean, it's even alluded to in this film, the Anne Boleyn connection, that, you know, the Spencers are an older family in England than... And more established. And more established. Like, you know, they're talking Henry VIII days before that, but way before that. So, like, you're absolutely right. So good for you on on this, Kate. I'm very happy we have a British royalty (laughs) expert in our midst as well. And you lived there. You lived in England. Yeah, for three years, man. I, I guess I just, and this is, it goes back to a, a man fucking writing and directing this. They just painted her as a victim until she became strong. And that, like, she's a person. She's a woman. And men love to center themselves in women's stories. But she was far more complicated. And I think far much less of a victim than this movie made her out to be. So 
Kate, you have well-versed history with Diana. I do. I understand your criticisms of the film, and and I completely get them. Why, again, I enjoyed it on this watch was just because I tried to throw all that away. And you're right. This is not the real Diana, not at all. And this is so pro-Diana that it could be considered, like you're saying, almost not pro-Diana because it's not not giving her the agency she had. But romp implies comedy. So I don't want to... I was going to say, what a amazing romp to me but it's not a romp it's just like this is a psychological thriller with a sad ending even though it ends hopefully because you know you you know she'll be dead in seven years it reminds me of what was that i guess it was just called marie antoinette the the coppola one that she did yeah, with yeah, kirsten yeah. dunst where like it doesn't end with her getting beheaded a uh, spoiler sorry guys <laughs> what? It doesn't? i thought it did no no it just ends with like her escaping the castle and it's like that's like a mandela effect thing i think oh right and it's like but we all know you know (laughs) you know what i mean so like that's with this too like we all know that's essentially the same ending i know i know so here's the thing so when i lived in england i had a friend whose mom worked in one of the palaces when when princess di was there and she said she did used to throw hissy fits in front of the entire family like the queen and the kid like prince philip and she said that like Charles would try to like tell her she's being ridiculous and that Prince Philip would be like, you need to leave the room and come back when you're sorted. Her mom was very anti-Diana, but I just see that as, and I've been in these situations too, where it's how many times can you get pinched until you lose your goddamn mind? And then the person who's pinching you is like, why are you overreacting? So it, it, it makes you think, right? And I don't think this movie really addressed it either is what came first, the bad behavior or the bad reactions? Oh yeah. And this movie, it's in a scope of a weekend. It definitely does not address that aspect. I am in your camp. I agree with what you're saying. Like, considering that world that she was put in. But that was her world, too, though. That's the thing. And that's what the movie didn't get, is she came from money. Like, the Spencers have money. Well, well, no. I mean, I understand that. But I think that's almost even worse, right? Because, like, if you take a commoner, right, and you bring him into that world, they're kind of going to fall in line. Because... What else do they fucking know, right? Like, not everybody, but you could see how some people would, right? Like Fergie. Take Fergie. Well, Fergie didn't fall in line. Oh, uh, yeah, not exactly. But, yeah, but but most of them that we don't even know the names of did. Let's be honest, right? But Fair enough. you have um, someone like Diana who's came from money, like arguably a better family. Not even money. We need, she came from wealth. Wealth. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> and you have her in this world now where you just got to follow these pomp and circumstances where she's at the bottom of this totem pole despite walking out her door and being at the top of the totem pole to the people at least their interests like i get all that and not personally i don't get it but you know what i mean like it's all understandable and it's like oh my god let's talk about like maybe why you said you didn't like the film because it's directed by men written by men pablo loren director here this is kind of what he does. Did you see his other film, Jackie? Oh, God, no. I didn't either, but I imagine it's something like this. I've been told it's a lot like this. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I just, like, I just, fucking hell. It just reminds me of, like, Gloria Steinem wrote a biography of Marilyn Monroe, which was excellent. And it's just like, when do women get to take Diana as our own and make her a real person as opposed to this tragic martyr avatar that men love to do? I just, I really hated how there were so many men centered in this movie as like the ones who saw Diana. Like I, now I don't know Diana well enough to know if the chef that she talked to who like 
understood her and was sympathetic was her personal chef who did understand her and was sympathetic, but she had other people who were there for her. I just hated how she was thrown to the wolves and it's only the men of the staff. No, it was the, the lady who changed her clothes too. Her lady in waiting. Sal- Sally Hawkins. Her. Yeah, that was cool. So the chef is a real character, a real person who, from what I tried to read his accounts and it wasn't so much like, yes, he was a little sympathetic, but it was more like, he would often catch Diana in the kitchen and catch her in places and not like... Because she had a raging eating disorder. He has literally said, I would see her crying in the corner and I had no idea what to do or say, you know? Like, so in here, he's more consoling. I didn't read anything that seemed like he was consoling in real life necessarily, but he just... Well, that's not very British either. Like, they are very reserved people. They would just let you... If they see you crying in a corner, they're just going to leave you there because not not that they don't care and they don't have empathy for you, but like the cultural norms in my experience, and maybe it's because I was a messy, sloppy American with my emotions, but they think that's a private thing and they just leave you to it. Yeah, fair enough. So that might have been more accurate. Again, we weren't there. We don't know. But the uh, Sally Hawkins character, Maggie, apparently the writers and producers of the film has said this is a real person who does not want to reveal her name. This movie takes place over a weekend. It wasn't a real weekend. It's kind of like a weekend that's an amalgamation uh, over this Christmas holiday of a bunch of Christmas holidays and a bunch of other holidays and, and just what might, again, what might have happened. They are taking from the real fact that her childhood home w- was the neighbors. What's this house called? Sandridge? Something like that? Uh, Sandringham? Sandringham, yeah. It, so her childhood home was right across there. And at the time, the queen essentially did have it boarded up. Not for evil reasons. I mean, maybe, but like, you know. And her dad was still alive because I think this play, it has to take place December 1991 because they're broken up by 92. Yeah, yeah. This is supposed to be the last Christmas they spend together in theory. Yeah. But they, they had moved to that, uh, whatever that London house is mostly. I think she had the Kensington apartment after they divorced because that's where like Prince William and then Prince Harry and Meghan lived for like a hot minute before they're like, nope. I, again, I'm not sure, but... That was her basically her childhood home up there, spending most of her time up there. And then she was so removed from that that apparently she would go spend these Christmases there in a spitting distance. Not really, because, you know, these are on acreages, but still like a spitting distance from her childhood home. And again, be so removed from that. So a lot of the movie does show like a yearning for that life and a yearning for childhood essentially and it's insane because she had a shitty childhood her mom like dipped out when she was a kid and basically like her siblings had to raise each other because she fucking hated her stepmom she once pushed her down the stairs (laughs) i don't mean to laugh at that but no it's true but that's the thing it's like it's like he wanted to portray her as this tragic fragile martyr victim who finally gains a little bit of strength before she leaves but that's just not Diana was a rich shit. Like, I like her. So, like, don't get me wrong. You know, it's funny you're saying that as a compliment. Yeah. She was. Like, she was a little shit. She grew up super entitled. She's complicated like every other fucking person in the world. And my issue with this movie is this Diana was not complicated. No, was- I don't consider this Diana the real Diana. I only almost see this as, like, a Shakespearean thing. Like, I mean, different in that era because no one could internet things and find the real answers. But... You know, he'd take a grain of salt. Oh, there was a real Macbeth. This happened. There was a real Hamlet. This happened. And completely invent the rest of the shit, right? Like, that's what this feels like to me. Like, uh, I enjoyed this movie by 20% divorcing the real Diana from this. You can't completely divorce it. You can't be like, oh, this is a made-up person. Because then the movie has zero context. But, yeah, in the movie, it's depicted that she had almost an ideal 
childhood. Like, it was the yeah. perfect childhood. And that this, you know, the British royal family essentially has removed her from that. That's why you see when she plays, you know, games with her kids and she has such a connection to her children that she's almost childlike in that as well. She's a great mother. I'm not criticizing that. What? In them. She was like 19 when she had fucking uh, Wills. Like, she's only I mean, 20. No, no, no. She must, if this is 91, she had just turned 30 and her kid is 10. Think about it. She dies at 36, sobering for us who are around that age, right? I'm like... older now. <laughs> Honestly, I was like two weeks before I turned 37, I told my friends, well, if I make it to 37, I've outlived die. And my friends are like, stop talking like that. You're going to jinx yourself. Yeah. I mean, you didn't, thank God. But yes. but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, again, sobering to think about. This is someone of our age group you know someone who could be yeah. a contemporary of ours living under crazy different circumstances and you know tragedy in the end but yeah going back to like the jackie thing i'm pretty sure if you didn't like this movie you're not gonna like that one <laughs> Jackie, you want to talk about rich shits jackie was even worse than die do you think he likes to do this do you th- it seems like it right like he likes to make movies like he finds like rich fashion icons who had tragedy in their life and make a fable about them I think so. It kind of like, how do I say this? He's like a 2022 George Cukor, who was known as like a woman's director back in the 30s, right? Because back then, women couldn't fucking tell their own stories. And I think he takes that and runs with it. But like I said, it's less the direction than as much as the writing, because I'm not a detailed enough person to be like, oh, yeah, the lighting, the lighting was fine. The music was a little weird. And that obviously that you're was not, like you're not a Radiohead fan. Johnny Greenwood here oh, on the score. God. No, I, my favorite thing about Radiohead, anybody ever said to me was in Anchorage, Alaska, in our local paper, this weirdo I went to high school with who had a column in our little teen section said, the most important thing you need to know about Radiohead is that the lead singer's name is pronounced Tom and not Thom. I'm like, yep. <laughs> Come on. Thumbs it up for me about Radiohead. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, so I guess. I don't give a shit about the director, to be honest. Obviously, I think it's better in a woman's hands because we probably wouldn't have gotten all those side tit shots if a woman directed it than if a man directed it. Fair. But the writing was just, I would not have had a man to write this. I encourage the director who is obviously listening to this and taking notes. (laughs) Female writer, he will get something much more interesting. We all know what the royals look like, right? And to an extent, we know how they act. Yes. Who in the cast do you think did a good job at playing their respective royal? Who did not? Where did you feel like this is, you know, this is spot on? Maybe not this person. Any any feelings you got from the cast? I thought Prince Charles was too good looking, the actor, to play him. <laughs> Charles, Charles was a goofy looking bastard. Obviously, I thought Kristen Stewart was amazing. She was too short for it, but she nailed her mannerisms. Because Princess Dot, here's also why I love Princess Dot. I'm 5'10", with, shall we say an interesting nose and princess die was 511 with also an interesting nose it's her and uma thurman is all the tall big nose girls have to look up to <laughs> it's true don't worry i carry the nose very well if you want to go look at me on twitter i'm i'm, I'm not a troll um, <laughs> the way you're painting yourself right <laughs> oh i've got my ogre now um i thought the guy who played prince philip from the back looked exactly like him when he walked up I think the the lady who played Liz, because we're not going to call her by her title, was sufficiently cunty when she talked to her that one time. <laughs> and by the way, we can say cunty in this uh, context because in England, calling someone a cunt is just like calling them an idiot. It's very common. The kids were fine because we don't really know the kids. She and he did a, she more than he, because we're not going to give him any credit, did a really good job of shielding them until she died, unfortunately. Oh, and the, the one who played Princess Anne, 
definitely nailed her stuck up bitchdom. Yeah. In that yeah. one family photo. I'm like, that is Princess Anne, and she is a real bitch. Elizabeth uh, Barrington is the actor's name. I love Princess Anne, though. I just love spoiled entitled shits who own that they're spoiled entitled shits. It's funny because I think people who don't know you and just dip into this podcast sometimes think that you are insulting things or people <laughs> when you're really not, when you're really complimenting them. I know. I know. I just, yeah. Like the first time we did the Twilight episode, she's like, she fucking hates Twilight. Yeah. There are people like, what, what? You got someone who she really is in Twilight and she hates it. And it's like, no, that couldn't be further from the truth. And like rich entitled person or whatever you said, like that's not a diss for you. <laughs> No, because it's like... In context, in context. Not necessarily the words, but I know your cadence by now to understand that that's a compliment in this case. Yeah, like, I like anybody who's just true to themselves and doesn't give a fuck. And that's Princess Anne in a heartbeat, right? And I like somebody who owns the fact they're terrible. I just like anybody who is authentic to themselves and doesn't try to pretend to be anything they're not. Like, I respect you. I think she's the best part of the crown because, like, it really maintains exactly what you're saying. Um, and all the iterations of it, like, she does not give a fuck. You know? No, you know about Anne? Anne, like, listen, the royals are terrible people, and I'm sure Anne is one of them. And I'm sure Diana was kind of a shit. But actually, no, I take that. I love Diana. She shook hands <laughs> with AIDS patients when everybody thought you could catch AIDS just by touching somebody. So, no, we love Di. But Anne didn't give her kids titles. Like, Anne's like, fuck that. They're going to be they're gonna be normies. You gotta respect that game, man. I saw her once in at Paddington Station. She had a guard around her, but don't know why she was there. Just waiting. First time I went to London with my family as a kid. And yeah, I mean, she she gave that air about her even there, right? Like, she's standing at a train station with the people, so you would think no, but like, I didn't even know who she was, and you could tell she was somebody, if that makes sense. Uh, Well, because they all carry themselves like that. And like, here's the other thing, because... In America, it's literally in, is it the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence that starts all men are created equal? That's obviously not true. And there's completely different laws for it. And it does say men. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like in England, that's not the case. Like the whole reason why they have the fucking royals still to this day is that the idea is, and I'm going to dust off my poli-sci major, is that God has blessed them and that God has given them the power to rule. And that's why the queen has to, um, what's the word, not verify, but basically bless all election results. And that's why she's the head of state of like all these other Commonwealth countries. She basically gives, not authenticity or authority, I'm forgetting the word, but basically she ratifies the people's will because God has blessed them. And it's hard to wrap your head around that as an American because we're so individualistic. But truly, the royals are seen as better than like the average person. And that is in their blood and it's how they're treated. 100%. I mean, that's why they're they're royals, right? And in our constitution, we're not allowed to have titles or any kind of peerage. Nope. And obviously that is not the case there. But it, it runs contradictory to what is essentially a country that has, I mean, it's a free country. It's a... I want to say normal, but that that would be very American centric of me. But you know what I mean, like people don't give a shit about the royals in the day to day. I lived in a town. I actually went to a university that's on the short list of approved universities for the royals. Nice, which is not by design. I was there during Prince William's wedding back when I still liked him and Kate before their hatred ate them from the inside out. <laughs> I actually do feel for Kate. She's an entitled white lady who happily threw Megan under the bus. And she's probably deeply unhappy and probably has an eating disorder as well. 
but she's got to make better choices to for me to be sympathetic to her again. But the whole point is, is that the royals didn't factor into any sort of day-to-day life except for the wedding weekend because they all got a day off. Truly. Yeah, exactly. It's like they have a country with a mascot. As like fucked up as that sounds, but like they have a, a team of mascots who they pay money to just do their thing around. Yeah. And for tourism. And that's all it is. And then she's on their money. Although she's on the Scottish money, I don't think. I think the Scots have their own people on their money. She's on a lot of places money it's so weird when you go to like a caribbean country and say yeah commonwealth yeah it's gonna be interesting when she dies because i think a lot of those this is why all these fucking loonies on twitter is like oh she's been dead for months i'm like no you fucking moron (laughs) she is a head of goddamn state it would create an international outrage she's not dead has been dead for months because she fucks up a lot of things by dying. And a lot of those countries are going to be like, fuck this, we're out after she's dead. And I, I think Charles is prepared for that. It very much seems like when she passes, we're looking at a scaled back yeah. commonwealth and a, and a scaled back monarchy. Yeah. It's amazing because we're truly living through the end. Not the end end, but like the end of the biggest pomp and circumstance. Oh, yeah. In, in like, a while. When she dies, the British Empire is truly dead. Yeah. I mean, it's fair to say that. You know, two people in their 30s on a Twilight podcast, we can make that declaration. No, but it's true. You're right. It's true. Like, I worked there for three years. I have a poli sci degree. And so I reread. We're so, this is going to be one of our two-hour episodes, I can tell. There are two articles I reread probably once a year. One is about the Cascadia Fault and how everybody in Oregon is fucked and is going to die in a tsunami because I find it fascinating. Oh, I love Oregon. Uh, you read the article. It's it's fascinating about how the Cascadia Fault is way overdue up north and like, yeah, it's, I don't know why. I love haunting and eerie articles. The other one I read a lot is the Atlantic article about that um, Malaysian flight that went down and then they basically <sighs> say this is probably what happened. And the third, this is why it's relevant, is what happens when, it's a Guardian article about what happens when um, Queen Elizabeth dies. They do drills every six months. That's why all these fucking morons on Twitter are like, oh, she's dead. It's like, no. <laughs> like, it's like, there's so much protocol. Like, we will know, I truly believe, within 15 minutes. When she dies, they'll tell the other countries first, the prime minister will get told, and then they're going to announce it at Buckingham Palace. There's going to be a page who comes out in black and then puts out the notice. Well, this is my thing. Why would they be faking it if Charles has been waiting this freaking long? But he hasn't. Like that's So it's so funny because I think this is such an American take. Nobody wants it. It's a handcuff for the rest of your life. I get it, but I think, at, okay, I would have agreed with you for most of his life but at this point he's an old person too at this point just to have for like a year you know i could see him you know i don't know well you think he eats well well probably oh every like think about this anybody can live to 90 if they're always traveling with like the best physician in the goddamn country and all their food is provided for and they have no stress about fucking money underrated take you're absolutely right kings did not live long back in the day because they had to command wars and actually do things yeah now in like a pampered society no wonder she's living that long crazy but you're right yeah like that old racist prince philip was a piece of shit and yet he still made it to 99 and hate eats you from the inside out they still kept him alive <laughs> oh, i just man. i don't like them they're racist like they're just i just don't like them <laughs> i hope an agent of the crown doesn't come and shoot us or something oh what are they gonna do come on nobody likes the royals like that's the whole thing about diana too is like everybody fucking hated them until she came into the family and then when the fucking queen and like you mentioned the movie didn't say shit about her dying 
for like a weeks, the country was in revolt. That's why. That's why I love the movie because it like it really shows that, and it it doesn't show like an evilness. It shows a lot of a um, uh, what do you call that feeling where well, I'm I'm missing. Wait, I'm missing a really key word right now <laughs> in the English language. Pathos. What? Sorry. Empathy. Pathos. Empathy. Almost the opposite. She was there. The queen was like apathetic to it not un- like if you watch the movie there and you're to believe that she's not really like they're talking about like i don't get it this girl was a brat like prince philip in that movie is like if the people knew who the real her was they wouldn't be celebrating right <laughs> ironically in the movie like tony blair played by our guy michael sheen oh now we can cover it <laughs> yeah exactly he goes oh queen <laughs> You need to understand she's the people's princess. You know? <laughs> I love Michael Sheen. Me too. Oh, we can do Underworld now too because it's vampires and fucking Michael Sheen. Double connection. Double connection. I love that shit. I love Underworld. This oh, is God. why I am so excited for our project here because the webs that we can now weave. Oh, it all, it all comes. Yeah, because every actor is basically in the Twilight franchise. Yeah, at least once or twice, you know, like yeah. if we really want to cover Bohemian Rhapsody, we can. You know? No, thank you. That, that, no, thank you. I've never seen it. You don't want to. If you want to talk about, Kate, just from knowing you now and knowing what you like about true to life movies and what you don't. <laughs> You will hate Bohemian Rhapsody. But honestly, sometimes when something is so bad and it's like men doing it to other men, if I'm inebriated, I might love it. You never know. Like, I might think it's performance art. Maybe, but like, I don't think it was terrible. But like, for I, I love Queen, but my my good friend, uh, podcaster Kyle Reinfried, he's on this network too, loves Queen. Okay. Lo- like, knows everything about him, has watched every documentary. Bohemian Rhapsody ruined Queen for him for at least a year. He did not listen to a Queen song for a year. And again, he loves this band because of just the inaccuracies and the fucking mythical bullshit that, again, stuff that you could say here about the movie we're talking about today, Spencer. It wasn't to that level, but there was a lot of that in Bohemian Rhapsody. Whereas like my, um, my cousin and his girlfriend who don't know as much about Queen, but know the music, loved the movie. Younger, you know? Love uh, the movie because it's just like, oh, cool, music. <laughs> like, not, not, to, not to downplay the opinion, but sometimes the less you know, the better the art. <laughs> that makes sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just like bad things. It's fine. I don't think it's bad enough to like in that respect. No, I, it sounds like it's too self-aware of itself and like, hey, 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 remember this? Type of thing, and I don't like that. Absolutely. I like-, like the Again, I know we're not supposed to get into this now, but I will. Um, the worst historical inaccuracy that they build again is similar to this film in terms of how they ended is that like Freddie no in the movie knows he has AIDS tells the band and then they perform at Live Aid and that's like the end of Queen and then like, oh, good he, he dies shortly after like you know that that's like how they're depicting it in the film and that's not how it went at all oh my I love oh my god <laughs> but Rami Malek's amazing similar to this film yeah. You know, Kristen Stewart is amazing as Diana. Like you said, she doesn't have the height for it, but or the nose, or the nose. However, let's let's go to our, our friends at Twilight. Right, I love Kristen Stewart, and I'm realizing that more and more. She's great. She is. She's um, she's an she's an internal actor. Yes, like it's all done internally, and then anything that's external is pretty subtle. 
you feel the pain in this character and like again bella bella's special and bella has it all but but bella's awkward and sad so i think like there's a through line here and there is a through line because watching this i might have said this before but now i believe it more than ever i don't know if twilight works for me without kristen stewart i think she makes a bella character that could be very vanilla that could on paper be very whatever and bland and gives it dimension for what you're saying for the reason you're saying right like when Bella has that breakup scene, that big breakup scene. I love that scene. I believe it. I'm feeling it. Like, I know she's many years older now. Not many, but you know, she's acted in many more things. We'll she's say 30. that. She was she was 18 then. She's 30 now. Yes, and that's a gulf. Remember yourself at 18 and remember yourself at 30. Yeah. But I still was drawn back to some of those scenes in Twilight, believe it or not. And I'm like, oh, like I get her strategy and her her method now, not to use that word, but the reason why Twilight works and the reason why we can talk about it, you know, 14 years after the original movie premiered is because they all took it so seriously. 100%. This is what I love about this renaissance right now is that both Casey and our paths are like, fuck you, Twilight was great. I'm proud of my work in that. Stop shitting on it. The zeitgeist has finally turned around enough that we can, that they can do that. And people are like, okay, maybe I will shut the fuck up now. 100%. 100%. And I know some people are like laughing at that. Like, oh, huh, they're just defending their work. But it's so true. I was almost going to say like, I don't know if it was despite themselves for casting that movie so well. But no, they clearly knew what they were doing because throughout they cast it so well. Throughout. Yes. And it's clear that everyone was getting paid. And here's the thing. Like, this is what I love about Michael Shane. He's like, I didn't know about any of it. But I know my daughter wanted me to do it. A lot of people did it because there were tweener teen girls in their life. They're like, you need to be a part of this. There is an immense amount of baseline respect from the actors of that movie. Like, they know it's fucking stupid. They know the source material is dumb as shit. But they respect the impact it ha- the books had on the people in their lives. And they Absolutely. respect the cultural impact those movies have had. And they're finally... It stood the test of time. Like, here we are, 14 leaders. Like, how many other, like, fucking, like, you name the Marvel movies that came out in 2008. No one's still talking about Justice for Iron Man now. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, those movies are popcorn throwaway movies. And at the, at the same time, from the casting director's perspective, who cares why they signed up? They didn't, like, cast... I don't know why I'm thinking of like Chad Michael Murray. It was a different generation, but like they didn't cast Chad Michael Murray types. Like they didn't cha- cast like the hunk of the era to play no. to play this or to play that, right? Like they're probably like put some feelers out. Any new like someone who played Tony Blair, Michael Sheen is available, or someone who has like, like he wasn't famous at the time, but Rami Malek goes on to do wonderful things. He's clearly very talented. They were like fuck you know if people want to do this and they're good, let's just cast really good people in this movie. Yeah. They got Lee Pace, for God's sake. Lee Pace, for what part? Again, anyone could have probably played that part, but it's Lee Pace and he's awesome at it. Yeah, like that's the thing. Like you, like, yes, hard agree. I love that they cast real looking people except for Edward. Like they knew Edward. <laughs> Truly, like our paths in 2008, listen, I love him, but he will never be prettier than in 2008 with that amazing hair. Like he looks the best he will ever look in play. <laughs> Just, I love him. But, like, Emmett looks relatively normal. Jasper looks like a hot guy. Even Mike Newton looks like a cute guy you went to high school with. It's not fucking Chad Michael Murray. Bella, listen, Case 2 is beautiful, but she's approachably beautiful. She's not Megan Fox, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Oof. All right, so let's talk some moments in Spencer that are worthy about of talking about anything, really. We don't even have to go in order. Oh, 
How many corgis did we get to see? We got to see a lot of corgis. I like that. I don't like corgis. Have you ever met? You, oh, well, obviously, you know. I've met, I've met corgis. They get a bad reputation. They're too aloof for me. I don't like them. They are very aloof. You are not wrong about that. But some people say that they're mean. Not every no. corgi is mean. I've met some very but, nice corgis. Liz's corgis are fucking mean. They've killed dogs before. They've killed other dogs. Well, they're the queen's corgis. They're allowed to by royal decree. It's awful. Ugh. Train your dogs, Liz. Well, she doesn't as, have any. As we've, I think she has one left. I thought the last one died. I thought she was dogless, and now she's like, I'm oh. 90. I'm oh, 90. I didn't realize. I'm not going to burden you guys with my pets anymore, so I'm done. So you didn't like the kitchen stuff in this film? I don't like anything where a man's like, let me imagine what she was like here. Because they always fucking insert their own avatar, dude. They always insert another man. Do you think the director is the uh, chef? I think the writer was the chef. The writer is the chef. The writer? Oh, my God. Do you know what the writer wrote? The dumbest fucking movie I've seen in the past 10 years. What? What did he write? He wrote that Serenity movie with Michael, uh, Matthew McConaughey, and Anne Hathaway. I'm 95% sure I need to verify that right now. Did oh. you see I forgot about that. It was the dumbest fucking movie of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Because it, it's Stephen Knight. I think I Googled him very quickly and I saw the scream. Okay, so he wrote he wrote Serenity. Oh my God, he directed Serenity too. Oh, that's not the Firefly Serenity. That's the one. No, spoilers. <laughs> McConaughey lives in this beach town and Anne Hathaway is asking him to kill her abusive husband and then can I can I spoil the ending because it's so fucking dumb. Yeah, I'm not going to see it, just tell me. It turns out that this is all a computer game in a little boy's like house. Oh my god. Where just his stop. parents just are stop. fighting. Just stop. It was, and you're supposed to be like, whoa! Just stop. Alright. Right. And but Matthew McConaughey like becomes like, oh my god, and there's a whole Moby Dick subplot where he's like trying to kill a big like fish. And then Matthew McConaughey realizes he's in like a computer game. Oh, okay. And I'm reading this and the kid, it's just, it's fucking so dumb. It's like the dumbest. It's a domestic violence Uh, computer simulation movie. So that tracks with my opinion of Spencer. Like, yeah. Look, you're not, you're not wrong in a sense when you're saying, when you're criticizing some of the other stuff in this film in terms of the background, the only nomination it got for the Academy Award is Kristen Stewart. And she was fantastic. It's so it's just, I guess I should, I guess I'm coming to the realization is, is when I realize a man wrote a movie about a woman, it's just one of those deal breakers for me because then I see all the seams in the movie. So I, I didn't go into this knowing who wrote it, who directed it, but within 13 minutes I did because I think I'm like, <laughs> Twitter. I'm like, Jesus Christ. So it's just one of those things. It's, I see all the seams. I see where all the tape is put up. I see like, it's just, it ruins it for me and I can't not see it. I'm excited though for Kristen Stewart's future. We all knew she was good, us as Twilight fans. But yeah. if she's getting nominated for this, I hope that there's another opportunity where she's actually going to win. I don't think she's going to win here. It's not Who because she... she win? Sorry? Who do you think is going to win? Do not like the Oscars because... It's well, all political. It's all political, yeah. exactly, right? Trust me, I'll be fucking jumping for joy if Kristen Stewart wins. Apparently, I didn't see Power of the Dog. Apparently, it's boring as hell. Um, some people love it, some people hate it. But... Okay. I do love me some Kiki Dunst. Exactly. If Kirsten Dunst fucking wins her Best Supporting Actress, you know, me as the host of High School Slumber Party, I will be having a party. I'll take some shots. I will be, it'll be amazing. So I'm not going to be like, oh, fuck the Oscars. I don't care who wins. I care who wins. I'm just not a diehard 
fan um, or I'm not, I'm not going to get inside baseball and like, oh, I think this person's going to win. I think that person's going to win, right? I heard that he's a front runner, but I don't pay attention. I, listen, I've always thought I always thought Kristen Stewart was going to win an Oscar. Truly, like well, I'm surprised Rami Malek was the the first one from Twilight. To get it. <laughs> she hasn't won any of the major lead up awards, and that's the only reason where I'm like, okay. I don't know if she's going to win. And also, I just would be shocked if... I think people will be like, oh, Twilight? I think there'll be some voters like that, which pisses me off. Uh, here are the nominees. Are you aware of the nominees? Mm, sort of. I know Olivia Coleman's up for it, right? There you go. Look, you have Jessica Chastain, tremendous actor. Wait, for what? The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which... Yeah, okay, I didn't see it. I didn't see the movie, so I shouldn't say I'm a Jessica Chastain super fan, but I am a Jessica Chastain super I fan. I like her. She's just pretty... You know what I like about her? She's like... From, she's like... The daughter of a single mom. Like, she's one of the few people in, like, arguably the A-list in Hollywood who didn't fucking come from Hollywood or had that connection. There you go. And, just again, Jessica Chastain, just, beautiful. to me, top, top, beautiful, but also top-tier actor. Livia Coleman, obviously top-tier actor. She's won before. Yeah, that's boring. Penelope Cruz. Oh, for what? Parallel Mothers, another movie I didn't see. Honestly, the only movie I saw here oh, <laughs> is Spencer. But uh, Penelope Cruz, amazing actor. She was in the 335 with Jessica Chastain. That was a terrible movie. That was a terrible movie, but like it was one of these movies where like I like all these people in this yeah. film. I love uh, Lupita Nyong'o. I love her. Everyone in that movie, I was like, I enjoy th- them, but yeah. I had no interest in seeing it. It was a mess. That movie was a mess. But yeah, Penelope Cruz, uh, Nicole Kidman, who again has a statue to her belt. Oh, I didn't watch that. That seemed real dumb. It's yet another fucking man writing about a woman, so I didn't even There you go. And Kristen Stewart. So that is like, this isn't a weak year. This is a strong year. I think in another year, you might see Kristen Stewart take it, but... I don't know. I think she could win. I hope she does. I would love that for her. I want her to win before our Pats, and I love our Pats. Our Pats is, our Pats is gunning for it, too. He does too many weird... He does, things. but like, I think this is my... not uh, Yeah, I was going to say, this is my dream for our Pats. That he's the guy who keeps striving for an Oscar, but keeps getting cast in blockbusters and does amazing in blockbusters, but could never get that recognition from the critics. Like that, I'm enticed by that idea. He's our new Leo. Leo tried for 20 years to get his goddamn statue. Yeah, yeah. Leo, like teen heartthrob, and try, but he got his eventually. I don't think Arpats gets his. I think Arpats is like, why the fuck do people like me in. I know I'm not doing his accent, by the way, but like you know, he's like, "Why the fuck do people like me?" He's like a good guy from Goodfellas. Yeah. Like, Yo, why the fuck do people like me? Like, oh, they they like me in the Batman, but they won't see me in this movie where I play a circus entertainer. You know, like. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I think he'll get it because the, the pipeline for good actors is so fucking dry now. It's mostly British. Yeah, there's nobody who's a, who people are excited about who are up and coming like anymore. Like what Tom Holland? Like name somebody from that like generation, like of the early to mid twenties that are making movies and making names for themselves. Yeah, it's but like, you you might get like a uh, late bloomer. Like what's that dude with the pretty face, Eddie Redmayne? Like you know, or like a Benedict Cumberbatch? Like you know, like come out of nowhere and then suddenly they're like nominated every year. Maybe, but I mean. Like Benedict Cumberbatch was like was working steadily in like British TV shows. In British TV, yeah. So I would have to scout the British TV rankings because we love in America to give British people acting awards. We do. Oh yeah. Well, I guess the other thing is too is like there's just less room for interesting movies now because of the fucking Marvel takes Marvel and DC and yeah, but they don't get nominated for stuff very rarely. No, no, no. I know, but the point is, is that. 
Hollywood doesn't necessarily take chances on those small sleeper movies anymore to nurture talent. I think they do. I think what they ha- happens is like, I think you have to kind of have a franchise and then do that on the side. I think you have to agree to be fucking Doctor Strange to get other movies made. Because like if ben- Benedict or Tom Holland said to the studio, like, oh, I really want to make this movie, they're going to do it because of how much cachet they have in those projects. But that's just how it works, right? Like, oh, you know that guy you saw in that cool indie film? He's also, you know, he's... I just, I honestly just bring back the the erotic thrillers from the early '90s. That's all I want. Ooh. I love, I love those so much. They're so trashy. I've been talking a lot of erotic thrillers with some friends, and uh, I have a good friend who's really into them. But uh, we did a Corey Feldman, Corey Haim erotic thriller the other day. This one. Oh, Blown Away. Have you seen this one? No, I haven't seen it. Blown Away is Nicole Eggert, who was dating Corey Haim at the time, Corey Feldman. Ridiculous, bonkers movie. If you can find it, it's just bonkers. <laughs> I love those. You know I love those. Like, there's at least four Corey Haim, Nicole Eggert sex scenes, and that's all I need to tell you. Poor Corey. <laughs> I remember when he died, and I think Michael Jackson died, like, a week later, and so no. I just all the air out of the room for Corey. All right, let's get some some quick hitters out of the way with this film that I want to uh, discuss with you. We talked Corgis. What do you think of the um, the Anne Boleyn? Oh, that was so fucking stupid. How else that happened throughout? Right, like, well, there's okay. So one character who was created for the film was that like head of the household guy. He's not a real person. He, okay, he's an amalgamation of multiple people, but you know, he just like does the queen's bidding essentially. And at the end of the movie, we learn that he places a uh, Anne Boleyn book in diana's room and it causes her to have this sort of anne boleyn hysteria like as she explains in the movie very simplest of terms anne boleyn king henry whatever accused her of having an affair and beheaded her even though he was already having an affair like charles you know men centering themselves (laughs) fair enough fair enough so we get that anne boleyn shout out all right how about her comparison to herself as a pheasant throughout the film? What did you think of that? It's, I just, it's just, ugh. She's like, I'm beautiful, but dumb too. It's, it's just, give this woman more agency. She wasn't, like, nobody is that, just nobody is that much of a victim, especially not somebody who's feeding Andrew Norton all the gossip for his tell-all book that's coming out in, like, six months. Like, she was duplicitous. Let her be duplicitous. Like, she was fucking cool, man. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay. Next thing I'll ask you about. Okay. We see a lot of dresses and costuming in the oh, film. I love her dresses. Now, they were not exact knockoffs of Diana stuff, but they were inspired by them. But they were also supposed to be like a greatest hits of the things Diana wore. Like all mm-hmm. the things we see here are like her best dresses and not necessarily what she would wear on a, a weekend. A lot of traditions in the film are accurate. The royals, when they do have a party, right? Like uh, Meghan Markle until she escaped. But still, Kate Middleton is not allowed to spend Christmas or any holiday with her family. Yep. It is illegal. It's not just like frowned upon. It is illegal. Yep. Not allowed to spend that. And every outfit they do have is uh, scheduled, as we saw in this film. So that yep. is that is accurate. Now, what the outfits were, were not. But uh, the director wanted to kind of showcase Diana's fashion and some of the iconic things we've seen her in in photos and even you know in real time. Um, so you'll see a lot of her famous outfits in the film. Doesn't necessarily mean uh, in Christmas in 1991 she wore the yellow yellow dress or whatever it was, right? So we do see a lot of that there. Um, obviously, they're very beautiful things. There is this thing uh, in the film about how he gave Camilla pearls and he gave Diana pearls. 
That is not necessarily true. It's just put in the film to depict that he was kind of doing shit like this. Like, oh, he, oh, he wasn't even hiding it. Yeah, exactly. He was making his affair rather obvious. He wasn't going through at this point. He wasn't trying to hide this. No, and also like the thing that I don't think the movie gets into. He is significantly older than her too. Like she was eighteen. I think he was thirty-five. Yeah, which was again common at the time among the royals, but still weird and weird in any generation when we look at it now. You know. Yeah. So could you imagine? I've talked about with my friends in terms of like my single friends, right? Like, oh, you know, would you date an eighteen-year-old? Would you date a nineteen-year-old? And universally, they're like. No, because, like, what would you talk about with them on a date? Like, what would you do? So could you imagine, like, in, the like, a forced sort of marriage setting? Look, an age difference. Kate, if you married someone who is 50-something, right? He better have money and, you know, packing heat. <laughs> Theoretically, <laughs> yes. He has all that. But I feel like you would, you could connect with him more than you could with a 19-year-old. Oh, God. I'm... <laughs> I mean, I would be age now, 37. In theory, if I had a mistake in high school, that could, it, they could be 19. <laughs> but exactly. So if you were Charles's age and married, you know, someone who is that young, like, it's obviously going to be a challenge in the modern era to connect with that person, really. Well, I don't think he ever expected to. I think he just did it to keep mummy and daddy happy. And he was always going to fuck around with Camilla on the side. Oh, boy. But you're right. You're right. And yeah, I uh, expected Diana to understand the arrangement and go along with it. In the film, though, we see a lot of uh, artistic license and a lot of, uh, I don't want to say fantasies Diana's having, but little, uh, you know, escapes from reality, little, uh, ar- again, I'll say artistic license. Like when she's at the dinner table, again, apparently the dinners were that tense. You've even lended a realistic ear to that as saying, you know, she would have these fits, but in the movie, she's like eating the pearls in the one scene. That grossed me out. I actually had to stop that scene. It is a gross scene. But again, I think it's there to try to give us a feeling of like what it must be like in that room, which I'm sure it was incredibly tense. Yeah, but I guess. Again, I think she had more agency because she was the preferred royal. The only one, like I said, I think it's Diana and the Queen Mum would like trade because everyone loved the Queen Mum. Like, would trade the top spots, but nobody else had that. So she had more power than the movie gave her, and that's what I have a problem with. Yeah, yeah, again, fair enough. And plus, she was fucking hungry. She was, like, had a raging eating disorder at the time. That drives you crazy, too. Again, I had divorced the real Diana at this point, and, no pun intended, and really had just been like, this is a, this is the Diana character. Um, pheasants, the, the fastening of curtains... I don't think she would have had a problem with the pheasants. She grew up in those horrible hunting, like... Honestly, I, w- I was thinking that, too. Like, she would never have questioned those things. I'm sure as an inquisitive young girl, she would have already had those questions, right? Like, what do they do with the rest of the pheasants? She would have known. She just wanted to save her boys. I think it was just artistic license, and it was just dumb artistic license. Because, again, this movie stripped away a lot of Diana's agency and complications. So did you or did you not like when uh, Maggie is sent away, her preferred uh, dress maiden, if you will, and she has just like a stucked up lady or, you know, whatever, probably a normal worker or whatever. And she's talking about the dresses and then, you know, they're about to go to dinner and she says, now leave. I wish to masturbate. The line of the film. Will you wear it? Of course I will wear it. It says on the label Christmas Day dinner. 
But it's Christmas Day dinner. What else would I wear? Don't leave me. I wish to masturbate. You can tell everyone I said that. What'd you think of it? I think a man wrote it. <laughs> that's what I think. Like it's just that's just like not and prove me wrong, but that's just not how women talk. I'm not one, I'm not gonna be the one to prove you wrong. But I mean in the movie it's implied that she says that just to kind of get a rise. Yeah, get a rise out of that. Uh, woman and be like, oh tell tell everyone but that's punching down i don't think a woman who holds an aids patient's hand and will walk through landmines is going to punch down on the help like she understands the position they're in as well so you're not a fan of now leave me i wish to masturbate you, you're a big fan of asking if edward does obviously that's not punching down that's just asking the hard-hitting truth i just i don't like the context of it because that's making somebody who has to be there, whose livelihood depends on it, uncomfortable. And I don't think the people's princess would have done that. And I think that putting that scene in there belies a complete uh, like lack of understanding of Diana and what she meant to people and her public life. If you, though, watch this movie to be like, oh, I want to learn about who Princess Diana is. But that's a problem, too, right? Because... It's kind of pretending like it is. I was going to say, like, then you shouldn't watch this or then you should, you know, this is art. You should take it as that. However, as I was saying that, I was thinking of the Bohemian Rhapsody thing and thinking about, you know, younger people who saw Bohemian Rhapsody and now think it's like a queen documentary, essentially. And you're right. That isn't what happened in Bohemian Rhapsody. It's not what happened here. And that's not who this is not who Diana is. I, th- I think when you're writing about somebody that was horribly abused and ultimately murdered by the press and the public you have a responsibility to do justice to their memory and their honor because they're not there to defend themselves. And this is not so far removed that her, her kids are dead and that it's seven generations on. Like if this were Queen Victoria doing it, what, like who the fuck cares? But this is Princess Diana. Yeah. Like you make a movie like the favorite, right? Where it's like, I forgot what what queen that was, but it's like, Ooh, lesbian affairs and, and hijinks and running around. And like, we all know it didn't happen, but it's like a fun depiction, but you're right her children are still alive who are depicted in this film. And uh, obviously the Royal family is not going to see a movie like this, like the real Royal family. Oh, they sure as hell did. I guarantee someone did, but apparently Harry and Megan saw it and, and Harry was not thrilled. That's the rumor. Harry was pretty pissed off. And they're, yeah. And listen, if Diana were a piece of shit, and like maybe she was, she tried to you know push her stepmom down the stairs. <laughs> like, I don't know why I laugh every time you say that because it's really fucked up. But like, yeah, yeah, it's you have to take more honor and care with someone's legacy like that. When her son, who was twelve years old when she died tragically and horrifically, and when his goddamn wife and kids are now like being hurt by the same machine. And you just throw in a cute little line about masturbation to show she was subversive. Like, no, fuck you. Like, it's Prince Harry has to understand that his mom's public image essentially is public domain now. And I'm sure he does. But that's his mom. Like, fuck you. And again, I don't think a woman would have done that as a writer because it's not shocking. It's not subversive. It's punching down to the help. However, I'll say this and for the billionth time. I think Kristen Stewart nails the line. I think Kristen Stewart nails 
everything in well that sounds bad but the mannerisms too like i love the way she like so princess diana had that posture and would duck her head down one because she was so tall she wanted to make herself smaller and two she didn't like her nose so she ducked her head down and looked up it wouldn't it wouldn't be you know so prominent yeah and she has that here uh what do you think of um now that we're kind of talking about harry and stuff what do you think about like the scenes that she has with the kids there's like the scene where they play like the Major game or whatever, and there's a couple yeah. scenes early on. Let's play. <gasps> Come on. Attention. I'll be the major. You be the soldiers. This game is silly. Only because you're hopeless at it. Soldier William. Best thing about Christmas so far. Best thing about and it has to be the truth. Best thing about Christmas so far is being with the family, sir. Soldier, I said I wanted the truth. Soldier. Sorry, sir. Presents, sir. Sir, presents are the only good thing about Christmas, sir. Not if you can't open them. That's true. Soldier Harry. Best part of Christmas so far. And I know I'll get the truth from you, sir. When you arrive, Mummy, sir. Thank you, sir. My turn. Major William to Soldier Diana. Tell the Major what's happened to make you so sad. Sir, don't know what you mean, sir. I want a true soldier. Sir. The past, sir. I think it's the present, soldier. I think it's in the future. Mm. Mommy, I actually have to open this or I'll be sick. For God's sake, then, open it. Major William, Soldier Diana. Um, what's your favorite color? What? What's your favorite? Sir, pink. No. And favorite food? Um, Sam, a pink, pink, um, hippopotamus cake. Spotted. What's your favorite animal, Soldier? Lobster. lobster. Why did you get me a lobster? Um, because it's it's red like your cheeks are, and it was flown from um. Uh, uh, it was flown from Santa's home all the way, and um, it's it's Santa's lobster. It's Santa's lobster, sir. I wanted the truth. It's all the way from the North Pole. She flew here. You have wings? Definitely. <laughs> Soldier William. Ah. Oh. Your perfect, perfect Christmas. Tell me all about it. My perfect, perfect Christmas, sir, is not following the rules and doing whatever you want. Eating with your hands. Not showing up. What would that be like? That would be a miracle. We never had a miracle before. I always say what you will about Diana, right? And I obviously like her, but no one can say she wasn't a good mom. No. and didn't her damnedest for those kids. She gave them as normal a childhood as she... Like my favorite like Princess Di paparazzi shots was when she took the kids to Thorpe Park. Like, which is the big theme park outside of London. And, like, they get to be normal. And I think she took them to Disneyland. Like, she did her best to give them normal childhood experiences. So I I liked it. But, again, I thought it was one of the – I thought it was manipulative to put it in there because it's, it's a shorthand. I think this movie took a lot of shortcuts. This movie is all shorthands. It's just a weekend to try to tell us an entire story of, of someone's psyche, essentially. So you're not wrong about that. 
Um, something I didn't mention from the beginning that I did want to mention, which is real, is that scale game they play on Christmas. Oh, I know. And they fucking knew she had an eating disorder. And they still were like, nope, the queen insists you got to do it. So, like, if you haven't seen the movie, essentially on Christmas, you have to sit on this scale that's like ancient kings have been doing this. I don't know about ancient, but you know, for generations, like the Christmas tradition, you sit on a scale and they weigh you. There. You get weighed when you come. And, yeah. then, and then you get weighed when you leave and you're supposed to gain three pounds to show that you had a wonderful Christmas. And they knew she had an eating disorder. Of course. They fucking knew. There's that great scene. I think it was a great scene because it's like fucked up with like her and Charles with like the pool table. Yep. Where he's like kind of putting pressure on her. Um, At the dinner table, he tells, or I guess the breakfast table, he tells her like, you know essentially oh the chickens laid egg for you for you don't break up uh, don't throw up but i actually love that scene that pool table scene where they're just kind of having a dialogue and i know that probably didn't happen i think by that point they were barely speaking of course but it was a like nice little summary of like probably like three or four years of conversation between them the fact that like again he had accused her of potentially having you know being late because she was having an affair when the asshole is having a very public affair. Mm-hmm. Just like about her behavior and stuff. And then I like it because when it juxtaposed with the ending, for me, the depictions of Charles, you seem to be very negative on Charles. And I get it. Hawkins, again, the only good thing about Charles is his commitment to the environment. And I guess Harry likes his dad. So it's clearly the the racist comments about what color Archie was going to be came from William. <laughs> In other media... The Queen, the Crown? Yeah, in the Crown and the Queen. Charles is often depicted as a little bit aloof. And weak sounds fucked up. Because I don't necessarily mean weak, but like definitely less discerning than other members of the royal family. Someone who is demure to his father, um, who his, his father played a big role in his life. Obviously, his uncle had passed away as well. But someone who really, you know, kind of squirmed into di- directions based on what his family wanted in certain s- situations. The the queen, the film actually depicts him. I don't want to say a sympathetic character, but in a sense, a weak character where uh, I meant the queen in the queen. He's the one who places a call with Tony Blair. He's the one who's like, she was a mess, Diana, but she was the mother of my kids. I'm not sure what to do here. Sort of things like he's never the- supposed the primary parent ever yes yes so he's depicted that way a lot right and here is depicted a little meaner than that i'm not again i don't know what the reality is but nobody that's the whole point nobody really knows who these people are when we get to the ending ending and i want to talk about the whole string of diana's journey to that ending but for him when he kind of when she shows up at that pheasant shooting place or whatever and People are looking like, what the fuck do you want to do here? She's asking to have the kids, and he kind of relents. That was very on-brand Charles. He wanted to marry Camilla. That's he, Camilla, for, listen, Camilla's the love of his life. For whatever yeah. reason, he <laughs> loved her, and she loves him, and fucking Liz and Philip should have just let him marry her and left Diana alone. Truly. And Diana would still be alive. She'd be alive and happy. We know that. Yeah. Because she would have married some other rich asshole probably divorced him in the mid nineties, but she would have been living her best life. But that family destroyed her for no reason because it was always within the queen's discretion to change rules. Cause she allowed Charles to marry Camilla in 2005. She could have done it in 1981. Yeah. Again, and this is how media depicts him. 
who knows if Charles had this conversation, but Charles probably had some agency to be like, he could have walked away, but he was never going to walk away. Exactly. Or even threatened. No, it's not a real job. But they also knew that he wouldn't, you know, like, again, this is, this is media depictions of Charles. Spineless might be going too far, but Charles is often depicted as a little spineless. Well, Um, he was go along to get along. Yes. That's a, that's a nicer way to put it. Right. Like, if he's like, no, I'm not marrying this person I don't know. I want to marry Camilla. You don't want what happened to, you know, your your father's brother, your uncle, mom. Just make it fucking happen. Like, I think he might have been able to wedge something or stayed a bachelor like that. Remember, that, what's that guy? I forgot his name. The one from Monica, like Grace Kelly's son. Who just- oh, yeah. Until he finally married Princess Charlene and made her life a fucking hell. <laughs> Fair enough. But like for years, he's like, I'm not getting married. I like to fuck around. Like that's apparently what yeah. he was telling. Well, not his mom, unfortunately, but he was telling people like, why the fuck do I need to get married? I'm a playboy. Yeah. I'm not saluting him, by the way, if anyone's taking my tone for that. But <laughs> And he could have walked away, and then we would have had fucking Prince Andrew as the heir apparent. Oh, and God. I no, but I, think, was- I don't think they would have let Charles walk away, because I do believe that the Queen, you know, might have known Andrew's swarminess and been like, all right, Charles. Like, well, well let's see what we can well, do. Well, I have a feeling that somebody, maybe not his mom, but probably his dad said, marry Diana and fuck Camilla on the side. That's what we all do. It was probably the dude who, got, I'm not, what's his name, Mothbotten, like the one who died in the Irish attack whatever who was like I think he was dead by then i think he died in the 70s no he died he died like right before their marriage and he was pushing for diana and they should have left that girl alone she was 18 she was a kid oh and a virgin like that's and i listen knowing what i know now if somebody said hey do you want to marry me and get a royal title and never have to worry about money again i it wouldn't be an automatic no no it, it wouldn't be a no for anyone but like if you're 18 and you're royal and you're already rich yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. And after he dated her sister first. That's just, weird. This was never a love match. And I think she tried to make it a love match. I don't, she, she was too young to go into this saying, okay, we'll be married publicly. We'll have our children and we'll both have our pieces on the side and it will be fine. Because she was so young, she bought into the fairy tale. She definitely did. Oh, and this this movie, better or worse, is supposed to be a depiction of like what the end of that fairy tale is supposedly like. So let's talk about her journey towards the end of this film and then we'll play some fun games but (laughs) so she um as we said her house her childhood home is like a block away in royal terms um she's a couple times in the movie tries to sneak off there she finally decides to sneak off there it's boarded up and when she's there she has these visions and Boleyn is in one you know what i mean like it's kind of craziness here uh she see, but she's seeing her life. We see like grainy footage of her in her wedding dress. Yep. We see footage of like a lot of childhood scenes and a lot of other kind and this of. This is on the precipice of her killing herself too. Let's not forget that. Yeah, like there's a there's an idea that that is going to happen, right? Um, and Anne Boleyn saves. <laughs> That's so fucking stupid. Anne Anne Boleyn saves her life. Essentially, that's what she says. Her words, not mine. No, the man who wrote the movie's words, not Diana's. Okay, okay. Yes, <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. I've alluded to that Sally Hawkins character, who is like her favorite dressmaid, is apparently based on a real person. She is sent away, and eventually when she comes back, Diana relays all this to her, and we're like, okay. And they have a little moment on the beach which is beautiful, beautifully shot, and I'll, I'll, you know, I said I wasn't gonna say this, but I'll say this: like that, the beach scenes are cool. I like, I like British beaches. I haven't been on many. I'm sure you've been on more than me. Sure have. 
you know, they have a different feel than the American beaches for sure. As someone who's lived in Los Angeles, an LA beach and like a British beach, very different. Uh, no, actually. Looking, yes, looking. There's like, no, there's white sand beaches in England too. Okay, okay. L- let me backtrack. When I think of the British shoreline, I think of like Jane Austen-esque wind, you know, I think of almost in the winter. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I, listen, where I lived in the Southwest, you could take a train up an hour north to Barnstaple and then take another train or a bus for like 30 minutes. There's a beautiful bay with surfing and white sand beaches. I, I kid you not. Okay. So I believe that. But the traditional depiction of a British beach with you're the... thinking of the moors up north is what you're thinking. Yes. Of. The windswept beaches. This is what we're seeing here more than... Because it's December. Yes. So the... I don't know if she's a handmaiden or whatever. The Sally Hawkins character. Probably a lady in waiting. Yeah. She says... You know, that she loves her, that she actually, like, loves her in that kind of way. And apparently, again, the the writer and the producer have said that this was a, not necessarily on a beach or whatever, but this is a real moment that happened. I don't know if it did. Obviously, I wasn't there. But regardless, it's kind of a sweet moment because, like, you know, they kind of sort of laugh it off. But I only say this because I want to talk about this ending. We didn't talk about, like, the scarecrow at her parents' property, which I'm sure is invented. But uh, it's wearing her father's jacket. So she, she uh, takes that jacket before and now she's wearing the jacket and she stops this pheasant hunt that her children are in. And she, you know, she's not happy with the fact that they're killing pheasants or whatever. And she's, and she's like, stop, I'm taking the kids now. Fuck off, everybody. <laughs> you know, Hold your fire! boys, I want to take you home. I'm not moving from this spot until they come to me. You'll just have to shoot me. Go. You'll try to help her. Your Royal Highness, do you want me to intervene? My sons are going to join their mother. Everyone hold a fire. And Charles was basically like, let her take him. Yeah, because he doesn't have a parent. He was never going to be the primary parent. For whatever his reason is, he's just like, fucking do it. And when I know she runs into the chef and the chef's like, you want leftovers? He's like, no, no, no. I have a plan for my kids. We're going to do something fun. By the way, the kids in the family are depicted as loving her so much. Their time with their mother seems like, and I'm not, it feels like it's real, but their time with their mother seems like it's the greatest time that they've ever had. Yeah, because because it's that's just their mom. Like when they're with their dad, it's all the royal stuffy. Yeah, yeah. And plus he's older. She's like thirty. He's like fuck. He must be forty five at this point. Yeah, it's, it's just the difference between like a young, fun mom who loves you and shows affection versus your stuffy dad who's absent and probably out fucking his mistress. <laughs> and I didn't mention, but like she has this like, like Porsche or Porsche. Sorry, in this film, <laughs> and, and you know, nice little convertible Porsche. Portia. And when they pull out of just like this royal place where it's playing that song, I looked up Mike and the Mechanics, All I Need is a Miracle. Yeah, a little too on the nose. A little too on the nose, but works with the film because this film is very on the nose. Yeah. And her whole goal is to, again, bring them to London, have a good time, make them real. And like you said, when they would go to theme parks together, I think this is a little microcosm of that where they just go to like a KFC drive through Well, I'm pretty sure that jacket she's wearing is one she wore to Thorpe. Or, or some oh, oh okay okay that makes sense 
I recognize that jacket and it's when she's out and about with the kids. Yeah. Like I said, all the looks here are like the greatest hits. Like if you, if like your mom had like a Diana calendar, all these outfits would be in there. My mom probably did. (laughs) Exactly. You know what I mean? I remember again, when she died, like there was so much Diana memorabilia and it would depict all this fashion. So this is what we're getting here. And then they go to KFC (laughs) and they have, which seems a little fantastical that there's no kind of, soldiers around them at all or uh, kind of like secret service as we would say here but they just fucking eat kfc that's a very british thing to do they fucking love kfc do they oh Oh my god yes and they eat it by you know the river there in london by tower bridge that's by the tower bridge and have a fucking good time (laughs) you know like (laughs) and that's the end of the story (laughs) honestly though again i know you didn't like the movie them riding in the car, getting KFC, like that felt so cathartic to me. I know I haven't lived a Diana life, but like sometimes you just want to say fuck it and do something like that. Not that it's wild, but it's wild for them. Yeah, I, it's just, it's sad. And because like the thing is, you realize Prince William just chose the wrong side, man. He had to, he's king. He didn't have to. He could have gone his mother's way. He just, his dad got his hooks in him and never Harry for whatever reason. Whew. Like he's an asshole. He doesn't do charity work. I believe that Prince Harry and, and Meghan Markle's acts of service are genuine. Like they genuinely want to do that. Every time I see Prince William and Kate Middleton out, it does not seem like that is something they genuinely believe in. They see it as part of being a royal. I mean, fair enough. Fair enough. His um, mother died at the exact wrong time for her, for him. You could tell though that the both of them and arguably not even arguably i think but harry moore the admiration they have for their mother we all love our mothers but like for them yeah well because she died at the worst my so my friend's a middle school teacher so she 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 was telling me this a couple of weeks ago she's like the worst time for something bad to happen you in your life are basically the ages of 13 to 15 oh i agree with that yeah she's like before it's like your sense of self is still developing so you can adapt. And after your sense of self is like a little bit more solidified so you can recover. But if something bad happens to you in those middle school years, it just can ruin your life. And she died when those kids were, no, I take well, he was born in 82 and she died in 97. So he was 15, but Harry was right in the crosshairs of that. Yeah. It's never a good time for your mom to die horribly and tragically. But that is arguably the worst time is in their lives that she died. This isn't high school slumber party. We're just kind of calling our, our own shots over here on Twilight Slumber Party. I want to grade the film, but let's do it in the old style way. Let's do Let's try to like think of a how many this, how many pheasants or something like that, right? Like <laughs> I give it two and a half dresses out of ten. Two and a half dresses out of ten. And okay. It's only because Kristen Stewart earned those two and a half dresses. I'm torn on this one. So 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. The critics liked it, but 52% by the audience. So it seems more accurate to the audience I speak to you, right? Yeah. 3.8 by the nerds on Letterboxd. Because this is so much more a Letterboxd movie than a people's movie. <laughs> it's but because it's about women, the nerds didn't like it. <laughs> but 3.8 is good. 3.8 is good. Oh, is it? Yeah, on Letterboxd, anything in the threes is good. If you're close to four, that's good. So I think it's just like, you know, they're the ones who are going to care about shot work and the stuff that we're not talking about, right? So they seem to like it. I'm so torn on this because, again, the first watch, wasn't a fan. Second watch, 
This is tragedy porn for me. It's fucked up. It is misery porn. It was. That's what I was thinking. This is just fucking misery porn because you know the ending. Yeah. And honestly, on the second watch, I was into it. I was into it. I'm going to give it. Uh, what what, did, what was your grading scale? The dresses? I did dresses. Diana dresses? Yeah. I'll go pheasants because I don't know why they talk about pheasants so much in the film. They're beautiful, but dumb birds, remember. So I'm going to give it four out of five pheasants. I mean, the non-critics in us have spoken. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, what a ride this film was. I could have taken it or left it before I saw it. But now that I've seen it, like... I don't know. It's one, It's just one of these weird things. It's weird. Let's play some games. Kate, this was a game you invented. Uh, <laughs> who would win in a fight? Who would win in a fight? Princess Diana or Bella pre-vampire? Post-vampire, we know she would beat up Princess Diana, but who would win in a fight? That's Princess, a great question. Princess Diana or Bella pre-vampire? Princess Diana, and I'll tell you why. When she's taller, has more brute strength because she was very sporty and athletic, and Bella yeah. is accident prone. So yeah, Princess Di could take her. She has the reach. I'm with you with that, right? Like, Yeah. Princess Princess Di was very athletic. And I assume she's had some kind of like fancy fighting training. She's probably fenced before. She's probably you know, done sort of stuff well, like that. I mean, she pushed her stepmom down the stairs, so we know she's got that killer instinct. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So unanimous win here. The judges have spoken. Princess Diana has defeated pre-Vampire Bella. Again, post-Vampire Bella, we know. I mean, that's not, that's mortal versus immortal, so we're not going to. Yeah. Know. Although Princess Diana's a vampire could take, well, no, Bella was so special she couldn't. Princess Diana's a vampire. That's fanfic you need to write. Oh, God. That would really <laughs> piss off Harry. I don't want to piss off Harry. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, Kate. So on the last episode, I teased. I teased that I showed you something that was Diana-related <laughs> from the internet, and you purchased it. I It wasn't It wasn't even because I thought this was going to be a bit. I'm like, I have to have this. <laughs> so, you know, occasionally we'll play the uh, internet purchase of the week game and you did yours already. So can you explain to the listeners out there what I showed you and what you ended up purchasing and what, and also why it has special significance to you personally? I don't think it does have special significance. Well, no, it's a museum you visit that you have to wear it to. Oh yeah. Okay. Thank you for reminding me. Um, so Brian, I think we're just shooting the shit. DM'd me. I think it was about your advertising getting fucked up. It's basically a t-shirt that some moron made, obviously in MS Paint, that has Garfield <laughs> on it. And it's Garfield the cat, the, the depict, you know, the comic cat. Yep, Garfield the cat, just random Garfield, and then Princess Diana kind of looking wistfully with her crown on. And then I said, and then it says, I'm pretty sure in Comic Sans font, I hate Mondays. <laughs> And then in another block, it says, but I could never hate her under Princess Diana. <laughs> on Redbubble, it's the dumbest fucking thing in the world. And it's on Redbubble, so you can pick your t-shirt color you do. And it's sort of printed on a white block. So obviously, I got it made in a Garfield orange shirt came yesterday, and it's actually in the wash right now. Oh, it came already. Oh, you got to take a picture. You got to take a picture. Yeah. As soon as I, it's, I, I'm sitting in my Taylor Swift hoodie because I'm really cool with no makeup on her. Once I wear are it. You t- are you team Taylor or team Jake Gyllenhaal? I'm kidding. Oh my God. We all know who I'm team. Oh, don't even get me started. My friend and I are deep down the rabbit hole of Taylor Swift's um, shadow relationships to cover up her real relationships. Ooh, interesting. I believe in Kaler, my friends. What's Kaler? 
That is the, the rumor that Carly Kloss and Taylor were in a very long, serious relationship. Oh, I'm down for that. That's interesting because they were such good friends, right? That's what the media said. Yes. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. No, totally. She's oh. in love. And then the other one she was in love with apparently was um, that chick from Glee, the girl, the gorgeous girl, Diana Agron, I think is her name, or Argon, Agron, Argon. This is interesting. Probably not, probably, you know, not podcast related, but wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but yes, I, once I, once I uh, get my shirt out of the wash and it's dry, I will wear that proudly because it is truly, I just... I love the type of weirdo who comes up with that thing. Why? I was thinking, like, why? who thinks, like, oh, Garfield and Diana? Okay. <laughs> My stoner friend Kate, for one, who is basically a shut-in. <laughs> yes, take a picture of it. We want to see it. And I then uh, I know you've told me that often in your free time, you go to a Garfield museum, a Garfield James Dean museum. <laughs> okay, so, yes, I don't want to blow up my spot, but... Honestly, one of the best vintage stores I've ever been to is in the back of the James Dean Museum in Fairfield, Indiana. And then there's another, that's where James Dean is from. And there's another James Dean Museum, like two blocks away. That's a Garfield James Dean Museum. It's haunted. That is phenomenal. So next time, and they said, the girls who run there are obviously James Dean super fans. When we were talking to them, they said, you can always tell the Garfield fans coming in. Is the creator of Garfield, Jim, I assume? Is he? Yeah, he's from he's from Fairfield, Indiana. Or is it Fairmont, Indiana? I think it's Fairmont, Indiana. Oh, so they have two famous sons there, Garfield <laughs> and, and James that's Dean. The best, the best, the best story they told me. Because we, we talked there for an hour with that. They're cool as shit, those girls. They watched them. And they said this person came in and had to do Garfield mem- like garb and then said, I'm the world's biggest Garfield fan. Look outside. And then their car was painted like Garfield. Oh, my God. Like, yeah, you probably are. <laughs> but now now you can arguably say you're the world's biggest Garfield slash Diana fan because you have the yeah, shirt with both of them. On yeah, obviously. Although who doesn't love who everyone hates Mondays. So like, I feel like that's <laughs> universal. But you can never hate Diana. Who could? That's why the shirt, like, as funny as it is, makes sense. And that's why it's <laughs> hilarious. It's like Garfield hates everything, but even he doesn't hate Princess Paul. <laughs> so ridiculous. I love her. Oh, R.I.P. All right. So uh, I did the deed. Uh, I didn't make you buy it, but you bought it. I, I showed you something that you purchased. Yep. Uh, now, I have to be fair. I, and I agree on... High School Summer Party is more in my place, right? But this is our place. We're sharing this. I got to buy something now. Please present to me. Send it in some kind of chat we're in. I will buy something related to this film or Twilight today for the podcast. Well, okay. So first off, I'm not going to send you the Black Sheep sweater that's advertised on Instagram. It's like $400. By the way, there's a company now that makes it like the low budget version. So my wife wanted that for years. And I was like, don't buy that that's four hundred dollars it's wool it's made in portugal yeah exactly so she just bought like there's a new company that makes like the regular fabric versions of it for like you know 30 bucks stuff like that so she bought that version um i'm literally staring at it now it's like hanging next to me so i'm like and i I didn't do it on purpose i was like oh shit um and they do they do cool shit with that black sheep design too like this company they have like all sorts of different colors in that black sheep diana design so 
the nice thing about it being a single woman in her mid to late thirties is, is nobody can tell you not to buy shit. So oh, I, by the way, I, I'm not, I didn't tell her not to buy it. Baby for my birthday last year. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and I've worn it like three times. I love it. It's- to be clear. I wasn't giving orders. That's not how it works in my household for sure. It was just more like, do you really want a $400 sweater? Yes. But <laughs> This is why you're not a good influence on people. It's wool. It's it's made in Portugal. It's sourced ethically. <laughs> That's good, but regardless. This is yeah. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready for are you ready for an iPhone for you? Okay. I assume it's Diana related. Yeah. It's in it's in our chat. Let's see. It's on Etsy. Mm-hmm. Is it's it a, price? Oh, nice. A Saint Diana prayer devotional candle. You have a lot of Twilight versions of these. I do. I do. That's my religion. But I figure. What you need is to always have Diana looking over at you and blessing you. So I'm not against this. I love these saintly candles. It's They're the right price. $14.95. Very good. The seller is called Star Seller. Oh, no, sorry. Right. I'm an idiot. They are a star seller. <laughs> They're called Texra. Yeah. Texra. 4.9 out of 500 reviews. So if you want a candle like this, there is low stock. So by the time you hear this episode, it might not even be available. But yeah, beautifully depicted. She's wearing her tiara. She's smiling. It's not a tragic candle. Thank you, Kate. I will be purchasing this right now. Free shipping? I know. I I, I treated you right today. You treated me right. Thank you so much. And I'll take a picture of this when I get it in the mail. Oh, my God. Under it, like in related searches, they have like all these like, you know how We've talked about these Twilight shirts on Etsy that I lo- yeah, yeah. they have like these Diana ones that are like a couple different images and really oh, 90s font that say Diana. Oh, I saw this. Trust me. I originally searched for Diana Twilight and I didn't get anything good. So I'm like, no, I love my prayer candles. I will. Uh, I'll, I'll make sure you get one as well. Unfortunately, because I haven't set up the Twitter, we can't play the Twitter game. I know it's your least favorite game. Well, my least favorite game is actually the card pack game. You won. That's why you don't understand. I never want to play it again because I won, and I'm so competitive. I fucking hate it. Well, it's- we can only play that with another guest. So when we have yeah. other guests on, we'll play it. But I, for I, now. I am like obsessive about winning. <laughs> I do stress that you just put Diana and Twilight or Diana, Kristen Stewart, Diana Twilight stuff in Twitter, and look up what people are saying. Uh, the love for Kristen Stewart right now, oh, I'm so into it. The love for our press right now, I'm so into it. This is a good time to be a Twilight fan. It's always a good time to be a Twilight fan. Fair. Fair. <laughs> so do you, could you cast, now maybe not this film, but could you cast the royal family with Twilight actors? Is it possible? Of course it is. Come on. I mean, they're not, they're not old and, you know, the royal family's old and stuffy. So, all right, Kate, then what do you have for us? What do you... Who's the queen? Who's Charles? Um, okay, obviously the queen is Rosalie because she just has that bitchy cunty. Done. <laughs> okay, who is Charles? Who's the biggest fuckboy in Twilight? Uh, Jacob. Jacob is Charles. Jacob is Charles? Yeah, obviously. Um, who's Philip? The racist asshole. That, I mean, listen, we all love Charlie, but let's not act like he's not a cop. So Charlie <laughs> Come on. Honestly, I saw Charlie as the chef. Because of the mustache and like the nonchalantness about things, mm. I had Philip as Arrow. Oh, I was just thinking Collins. Um, yeah, I could see that. Okay, okay. 
The hmm. are obviously going to be Renesmee as robots, just with different wigs. <laughs> That's just a no-brainer. That would be amazing. That would actually make me like the movie a lot more. <laughs> Alice is going to be Sally, the girl in love with her, because Alice is clearly in love with Bella. Oh, I could see that uh, right? in both in both respects. There, I could see Alice as being that character. Yeah. Who's our Pats? Our Pats is going to be. Because our pets can't be Charles. We don't want him no, to be Charles. No. We want our pets to be the scarecrow because that's something our pets. <laughs> he, he would love that role. He would. Be, he would, he would be, he would be the scarecrow. Yeah. Right, and then who's, who's bitch? Oh, and then Anna Kendrick as Jessica will be Princess Anne with her bitchy energy for that one scene. Ooh, I like that. I like Anna Kendrick as that character because she can be bitchy. <laughs> Although honestly, justice for Jessica. We'll have to do a justice for Jessica episode because like. Bella really treated Jess like shit. Yeah, that's a good idea for an episode. Justice for Jessica. If if you're out there and you like the show, hashtag it and remind us because we'll we forget. might forget. But I'm sober, so I'll still forget. But one of the rare times, right? And not hungover, right? No, dude, I went to bed early last night for me. Up <laughs> <laughs> till twelve thirty, reading about scammers on the internet. But that's you know normal. Again, a normal evening for you. So yeah. This was this film is anything but normal, but it was so fun talking about anything else you want to mention, Kate, when it comes to Spencer and Do you know what? This was more fun to talk about because there's so much toxic energy around the Batman that we really kind of had to watch ourselves in case like some assholes from like Reddit decided to come after us. Well, the royal family could come after us. You don't I'll know. Fucking bring it. <laughs> <laughs> they have enough bullshit in their plates to worry about us. <laughs> fair, fair, but yeah, I know. I don't know. You and I, you didn't like the movie. I is it one of my favorites? No, but I saw its value in the second watch. It's a silly, silly fun movie, but I think we both came to the consensus and it wasn't very hard that Kristen Stewart is amazing and amazing in this role. We hope she wins an Oscar. By the time you listen, um hopefully she's won an Oscar. I hope it's her. I really I like Kristen Stewart. I've always thought that she was gonna be the first one. I was surprised by Rami Malik. I think our Pats will get it. I think our Pats is like five to ten years out, though. I don't know if there's anyone else in the. I mean, Michael Sheen could get it for something. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, his moment. Not that it's past. I'm not saying that, but like, he might get cast in some things in the older, you know, like a Christopher Plummer one when he's like ninety. Um, yeah. I mean, look, we'll still be talking ten years Twilight. We'll be in our mid to late forties, and when our Pats wins, we'll be excited for him then. <laughs> could you imagine our pets wins when he's 90 we'll be dead oh i'll because, definitely be dead well we don't have the celebrity diets or the royal diets like well i don't think he has the celebrity diet either he fair look that healthy <laughs> like, I, I love him so much he's well, my favorite i don't disagree where can people follow you on twitter kate you can follow me at Hudson Kate. And if you're if you want to shit talk the royals with me, or if you're team uh Prince William and Kate Middleton, bring it on. Dream guest, Meghan Markle. Oh, I love her. I real I so I, I really like her. She is pretty, she is smart, she is poised, she is elegant, and she keeps it real. I really, I really like her. But if we're talking dream guest though, I want a messy bitch who will spill drama. I think Meghan Markle's too elegant for that. Like she's and she's like, fair right like so who's my real dream guest like just someone who will talk shit but not like who will just spill all the gossip about the world maybe prince harry but prince harry at 22 when he was just drinking all <laughs> that would have been my dream guest. that was a dream prince harry era he was 
Ex- except, except when he dressed like a Nazi. That yeah, that was cool. great. But like, he was, you know, grandpa, his like great uncles were Nazis. So you're not wrong. Literally. Well, <laughs> yeah, this was a blast. Again, I haven't set up the Twitter yet, but I will insert the Twitter handles here. We'll do Twilight soon. We have some fun plans for Twilight, Twilight bingo. So uh, oh, stay sh- tuned. That was my homework. Sorry, sorry. Not for this episode, but yes, Kate, create the Twilight Bingo for Twilight One, if you will. I had homework and I couldn't remember it. Okay. All right, Kate. Uh, thanks so much, and uh, again, this thank you for watching Spencer and talking about it with me. Absolutely. song is still in my head brian rodriguez here thank you so much for listening to our episode our little preview our soft launch of twilight slumber party here on the high school slumber party feed we got some more high school slumber party coming your way soon i promise you that i'll explain my recent absences i promise you that as well just want to remind you to follow high school slumber party on facebook instagram twitter and Follow Twilight Slumber Party at Twilight Slumber on Twitter. I had to check that. (laughs) And at Twilight Slumber Party on Instagram. It's pretty cool, you know, to have multiple feeds for stuff. I also have my own Twitter at OhMyRodriguez. So check that out. Thanks for listening once again and uh, tune in soon. I don't know. I need a better Twilight exit.